the scripture says, be sober, be vigilant because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, didn't say he is a roaring lion, but as one, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. One of the major weapons that the enemy uses to devour Christians is deception. But in verse 9, it says, Whom resist steadfast in the faith, or resist steadfast with your faith. Your faith, utilized in the manner in which God has given it to you for, your faith, believing in your heart and declaring with your mouth, will resist the devourer. You will be able to put him on the run every time. Okay? So we've established the fact that the enemy is deceptive and that he is looking for an opportunity to devour our lives. Nothing new. That's why Paul wrote to the church at Ephesus and he said, Neither give place to the devil. Give him no topography. Give him no geography in your life. Amen? And then over in John chapter 10, and notice with me in verse 10, here's something Jesus said about the enemy. And there is a progression, if you will, to his tactics. In John chapter 10, verse 10, part A of that verse, the thief, that's the devourer, that's the devil, right? He cometh, but for to what? Steal. So number one, he comes to steal. Steal your joy. Steal your money. Steal the word out of your heart. Bringing persecution and affliction that arises for the word of God's sake in your spirit. He comes, he comes to rob. He comes to steal. And then once he has stolen, he goes in for the kill. He goes in to destroy. Now, it may be a life. It may be your finances. It might be a relationship. But mark it down. He is a thief. And his ultimate goal is to kill and to destroy. So we are not then to be ignorant of his devices. But we are to be alert. We are to be sober. We are to be sharp. We are to be aware of the fact that there is a spiritual battle. And our battle is not with flesh and blood. Our battle is not with one another. Amen. Now, one thing and one deception that he tries to sell to believers, to you and to me, is that you are in a very difficult situation and there is no way out. Has anyone ever heard that? You're hemmed in. You're locked in. There is no way for you. You will never get out of this. Well, let's answer that with the word. Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. And uh, notice with me in verse 13 of 1 Corinthians 10. Now, no matter what we may face, here's what the Bible says. And this is what we need to hold to and to hold fast to. 
Because the enemy will try to sell you a bill of goods and say, oh, you know, bless your heart. You're the only one that's ever been through this. Poor me. Did you know that carnal Christians talk about how they feel all the time? Carnal Christians are living their lives according to and after the dictates of the flesh. And don't get me wrong, I've yielded to carnality and so have you. But if we want to grow and we want to develop in God, we'll talk less about how we feel and talk more about what the Word says. So now, in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13, let's uh, pull it up there and read it. It says, There has no temptation taken us, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful. Who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you are able... But will, with the temptation, also make a way to escape that you might be able to bear it. In other words, there is a way out. Even though the enemy would tell you there's no way, there's always a way as long as Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. I want to preach a message to you entitled, I Don't think so. Now, in my part of the country, and with the people that I grew up with, we didn't play a lot of chess. We played checkers. How many of you ever played checkers before? And some of you have most likely and probably have played chess. You know, checkers moves a lot quicker than chess does. Uh, you can get locked into chess and be playing the game for quite a substantial amount of time. But there is a saying in chess called checkmate. And checkmate is a situation in chess where the king is under direct attack. And he cannot avoid being captured. And so when the king is hemmed in and can't go to the right, and can't go to the left, has no other move, the opponent, the enemy, says checkmate. Checkmate is the ultimate goal in the game of chess. Because a player who is checkmated loses the game. And so when he says checkmate, you're blocked, you're stopped, You don't have a chance. You're surrounded by the enemy. That sounds like the adversary of our soul to me. There is no escape. There is no hope for you and God. Checkmate. He likes to tell us that there is not a way for us. You can't move. There's nothing that you can do. When the enemy of our soul screams checkmate, heaven screams back and says, I don't think so. I don't think so. Now tonight, when I say the word checkmate, I want you to participate in this message. We may be few in numbers, but we're great in power tonight. And I want you to be a part of this message. When I say checkmate, I want you to get sassy about it and say, I don't think so. (laughs) 
The enemy wants to checkmate our lives. He wants us to be in a position where he gets us to think it is over. He wants to hem us in. When the enemy says checkmate, we say, I don't think so. That is our response. And that is a response of faith. Because a person who is born of God has been given world overcoming faith. And it resides on the inside of them. And that faith on the inside of us needs to be released in a time of pressure. Where we don't fall back and we don't fall out. But we stand up and we let the devil know, I don't think so devil. My God is still alive and he's on the throne of my life. And you cannot prosper in my life. Woo, glory. Checkmate. In Romans 8.31, it is a true fact. If God be for us, who can be against us? And the cool thing about it is this. Is you're the establishing witness in your life. The lie is on the right. The lie is on the left. But you're in the middle. And you can decide to say, I don't think so. This is what the word says. This is what I think. This is what I believe. This is what I speak. This is what I live by. This is what I talk by. Amen. I'm walking by faith. You see, it is true that God's word coming out of your mouth is the last word. You think about Pharaoh surrounded at the Red Sea. They had just left Egypt and Pharaoh and his army were not happy about it. And they came after the children of Israel with their horses and with their chariots. They had one thing on their mind, and that was to annihilate this group of Jews. This two to three million Jews. We're not only going to kill the parents, but we're going to kill the children. And Moses knew that in his thinking and in his mind. And when they came to the Red Sea, Moses looked around and could see hills on the right and hills on the left. In the natural realm, it looked like there was no way out. The enemy was saying to Pharaoh, checkmate. We need to understand this, that our God is never out of moves. He is never out of moves. I saw something interesting tonight as I was studying It is a message that Billy Graham preached back in 1955, and it is called, The King Has One More Move. And the story goes like this, that two men are standing in front of a painting called Checkmate in an art gallery. In the painting, a man is playing chess with the devil. You're an obedient bunch. The devil is grinning ear to ear. 
because he has the man cornered. And the title of the painting is Checkmate. Which indicates, as we've been saying, that the game is over. The enemy has won. His opponent has no more moves. The first man at the art gallery looked at the painting and he wanted to move on. He wasn't that interested in that painting. But the second man was an international chess champion. And something caught his eye and he wanted to linger a while and he wanted to look at the painting for a period of time. So he waved his friend on and he tells him he'll catch up with him later. The chess champion stares and stares at the chessboard. Then suddenly he steps back completely amazed and totally flabbergasted. He runs to his friend in the art gallery and together they look at the painting. And he says, we have to contact the painter. The chess champion says, it's not checkmate because the king has one more move. He says, it's not checkmate because the king has one more move. As he looked at that board, he discovered that the painter had made a mistake. I'm telling you what, the devil makes a mistake when he fools with blood-bought covenant men and women of the new covenant. The devil made a mistake when he put you into bankruptcy. The devil made a mistake when he put that disease on you. The devil made a mistake when he caused your children to rebel. Why is that? Because the king always has one more move. He's always got one more move. And we need to get sassy where Satan is concerned. Whatever the doctors may say, whatever the economy may say, whatever the world may say, we need to get bold and say, I don't think so. This is what the word of the Lord says. God's word is true and I'm standing on it. Turn over to Job 42, verse 16. Great, great verse of Scripture. Job, the 42nd chapter in the 16th verse. After literally, literally all hell had broken loose on Job's life and much turmoil and much trouble that he faced. And yet Job had a breakthrough. Job had a turnaround. Because in fact... The king had one more move in Job's life. In Job 42, 16, the scripture says that after this, after all the trouble he faced, he lived. I'm telling you, there's life after hell. There's life after the test. There's life after the stolen vehicle. There's life after copter, copper being lifted from our parking lot. There's life after cancer. There is life after this. Job lived, notice this, 140 years. He lived and had more life than the test he went through. And the Bible says he saw his sons and his son's sons. Think about it. Even four generations. I'm just here to encourage you tonight for a while. I'm not going to preach long. But I drop by to encourage you and to tell you that God loves you and that God can give you an after this. You can have life after the divorce. 
You can have life after the addiction. You can have life after the bankruptcy. Look with me at Job, or Genesis, excuse me, chapter 9 and verse 28. Think about all of the ridicule that Noah went through. There's a flood coming. What are you doing, Noah? You've been out in the sun too long. What in the world are you doing? What are you building? But Noah was obedient unto the Lord. Because God spoke to Noah and said, Noah, there's a storm coming. And there's a flood coming. And I want you to be ready because I don't want the flood to consume you. And notice in Genesis chapter 9 and verse 28. And Noah lived after the flood. (laughs) 350 years. I'm here to tell you there's more life after the storms of life. There's more life after the flood. Glory to God. You can live after the storm. Be encouraged tonight. Noah just kept living. You can outlast the test. You can outlast the calamity. You can outlast losing your home. You can outlast it because the king always has one more move. If we could take time tonight to look at it over and over and over again in the Bible, you see the king moving on the behalf of his people. I think about the woman taken in the very act of adultery. You know what religion will say and what the Pharisees said? The religious circles of this world said to to them, stone her, stone her. Here's a woman caught in the very act of adultery. But the king had one more move. Never, ever throw a sinner at the feet of Jesus. Denominations will stone them. Some church birds, birds, birds will stone them. But God is for the sinner. And God is for people. And when they tried to crucify the king of kings and the Lord of lords, demons and demonic forces danced with glee. And they began to say, checkmate. That's exactly what our Heavenly Father said. I don't think so, devil. You see, the devil's not such a hot rod. He's not that smart. The scripture says, had he known it, he would have never nailed him to the cross. He would have never crucified the Lord of glory. Because the king surely had one more move. They crucified him. They took him and they put him in the tomb. They sealed him. In hell kept whispering in his ear, you'll never get out of here. But the king of glory raised Jesus from the dead. And tonight, you and I are partakers of that glorious resurrection power. Now listen, as long as we're in this world, we're going to have tribulation. Turn me to John 16, 33. If you're cold, turn the heat on or whatever I can see. Maybe a couple people are chilly tonight or you can turn off the air. We're not going to be long tonight. But we are going to, we are going to press in 
to worship here in a moment again. We're going to press in to pray for one another and believe God with one another. In John chapter 16, verse 33, he says, These things have I spoken unto you. In other words, Jesus had been speaking the word of God to them and over their lives. He said that in me you might have peace. You know, there is something about listening to him and feeding on his word that gives you great peace. Now look at the usher. Look up here. Look up there. There's something about feeding on the word that gives Mark Thomas great peace. Great peace, the Bible says, have they that love the word of God. And so Jesus has spoken unto them some things concerning the word of God. And he said, as a result, you have peace. Then he says, now you probably already know this. In the world, you're going to have some tribulation. But be of good cheer. The king has got one more move. No, that's not what he said. He said, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Now, the mere fact that he has overcome the world tells me that I can overcome the world. Now, why is that? And how is that? Because I've got the overcomer who overcame the world living on the inside of me. And so do you. So he says, now, be a good cheer. For I've overcome the world. In other words, get happy about it. You can make a choice to rejoice or you can make a choice to be bummed out. You are going to be spending your time doing one or the other. You're either going to be spending your time speaking the word or speaking the problem. You're either going to be spending your time thinking on the promises of God or thinking on the lies of the devil. It is just a matter of what you choose to do. And what you discipline and what you uh, purpose in your heart and in your mind to do, if you will. As for me and my house, I purpose in my heart to think the thoughts of God. I purpose in my heart not to look at a bad situation as a final outcome. But I purpose in my heart to look at a difficult situation as a potential testimony. Why is that? Because you and I, we're of a different breed. We are of a different class. We are of the new creation. We are not those that go down. We are those that come up and go over. Hallelujah. And Revelation 12, 11 says, They overcame Him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word, by the rhema of their testimony. I encourage you tonight. I exhort you tonight. Get the word in your heart. Get it in your mouth all week long and it will make a tremendous difference. Choose to think the thoughts of God. Choose to be happy. Choose to rejoice in spite of it all. So, I said all that to say this, in life, we will continually experience checkmates. <laughs> now, in these times of seeming defeat, sometimes it, you just feel defeated. You get up in the morning, you look in the mirror, you, you look defeated sometimes. <laughs> but thank God... It's subject to change. Huh? Always remember that behind every circumstance, there is a supernatural power at work. Habakkuk talks about the hiding place of his power. The hiding place of his power. 
That power is not hidden from us. It's reserved for us. It's standby power in your difficult situation. How can I, as Pastor Mark, how can I, how can you be so confident to declare this message to you tonight? I know that my Redeemer lives. And I know that the King, who always has one more move, has a well-documented history of last moves. <laughs> he's, got a, he's got a tremendous track record. Does he not? I mean, after all, seas don't split open to allow people to pass through on dry ground on their own and for no reason. I mean, water doesn't spring up forth from a rock. Food doesn't just accumulate on the ground every night. That's the king. Thick city walls don't just fall down flat when people blow horns. He's got a well-documented history of last moves. Think of it. Men thrown into furnaces and lion's dens, they just don't survive. But they do survive because the king is alive. And he's alive in this place tonight. And he's alive in your heart tonight. And he's just as real on Monday morning as he is right now on Sunday night. The Bible says he is your God and he doesn't change. He loves us so very much. And he's always provided a way of escape for our lives. Checkmate. Get a little sassier. Checkmate. One more time. Checkmate. Stand up, everybody. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord. Well, that's a little sermonette tonight. That'll encourage you. That'll put some fuel in your tank. You can face the week with a sense of victory. And of being more than a conqueror through him that loved us. Amen. Let's stir ourselves up right now. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. You may be here tonight. You may need a friend. You may need a member. You may need a partner to say, you know what? Would you lock shields with me tonight? It just seems like the enemy of my soul has fenced me in. You know, we're here to say, I don't think so. And we're here to pray for you. And we're here to lift you. If you're here tonight and you want. As we were, as we were praising the Lord. I have a little addition that I want to share with you just for a few moments. So before we receive the offering and continue to worship the Lord, I'm going to ask you to be seated. Now, I want to say to you that God is not the author of confusion. And I also want to say that in the context of our text, how that the enemy comes... Seeking whom he may devour. Confusion is another diabolical weapon the enemy uses against us. So I believe this, that we as Christians should never be confused. And if we're tempted to be confused, we should never say we are. Instead of saying, I'm so confused, I don't know what to do. Say this. I'm never confused 
And I always know what to do at the right time. No confusion. No confusion about direction. No confusion as how to act and what to do when the enemy has you backed up against the corner and says, checkmate. And so the Lord reminded me of just a couple scriptures tonight. Bear with me if you would. Turn to James chapter 1. James the first chapter and I believe that this will help you as well as what's already been said. In James the first chapter it says this that uh, my brethren count it all joy when you fall into different temptation. In other words when you get into a situation where the enemy says checkmate count it all joy. Okay, when, when that pressure comes and you feel like there's no way out, the Bible says, count it all joy. Amen. That's an accounting term and that simply means, mark it down, when the temptation comes and when it seems like your back's against the wall and there's no way out, be full of joy. Now that lines up with John, uh, John 16, 33, it says, in the world you'll have tribulation, but be of good Cheer and joy are synonymous. Be of good cheer, count it all joy, for I have overcome the world. Well, one of the reasons why we can be of good cheer and count it all joy is because we already said this, He always provides a way out. But now specifically to this area and this thought about God not being the author in confusion, let's just look at a couple more verses here and this will help you. My brother, count it all joy when you fall into different temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith, the enemy's coming after your what? Persecution arises for the? So the word and faith are synonymous terms. So it could say, knowing this, that the trying of the word in you worketh patience. Now, we can be happy And we can have a cheerful disposition if we will employ the force of endurance in our lives. See, that word patience there doesn't mean be a doormat and just kind of bear up under it. The word patience there means constantly the same at all times with a joyful spirit of endurance. So I can be happy if I will employ patience when I'm tested, and so can you. Now notice in verse 4. But let patience or endurance have her perfect work. When patience is employed, there is a work that's perfect, perfected in our lives. That you may be perfect or fully developed, come on, and entire wanting or lacking what? Nothing. Wanting or lacking nothing. The devil will always tell you, you'll always want. Checkmate. (laughs) That's right. I love it. When these forces go to work in our lives, when we're operating in the joy of the Lord and patience is employed, we will be fully developed and we will lack for nothing. There will be a way out. 
Now, you may not see the way out right away, and that's where you have to patiently endure and don't get freaked out. The devil's the author of the freak out. What do you mean, freak out? Just go into the mode of anxiety. Dear God, what are we going to do? I don't know what we're going to do. What, how are we going to do this? How? Hey, that's freaking out. So here is what I want you to see tonight in closing. If any of you lack wisdom when the pressure is on, if you lack wisdom, don't talk about how confused you are. Don't talk about you don't know what in the world you're going to do. That's exactly right. You're going to do nothing through the world. That's right. Yeah. It's going to be done through your covenant and through the word. Amen. So we are here in a situation. The pressure's there. It's real. We feel it. Our knees may be knocking. Our palms may be sweating. We feel it, but we're not yielding to it. We're resisting it. With every fiber of our being. And we're not looking to man to get us out and to ballast out. We're not looking to shrinks, if you will, to give us the wisdom of this world to help us in our dilemma. If we need wisdom, we need to go to the source of wisdom. That's why he said, if any of you lack wisdom, go to the Father of all wisdom. Go to the Father with whom there is no confusion. Go to the Father who has all of the answers for your life and He's already deposited them on the inside of you. The answers to life's challenges are living on the inside of me. Counsel and wisdom in the heart of man is like deep water. And a man or a woman of understanding will go to God, ask Him, and He will draw it out. The worst thing you can do when you don't know what to do is talk about, I don't know what I'm going to do. Go to Him. Wait on Him. Ask of the God of all wisdom. And let Him ask of God. That giveth to all men sparingly. Well, you know, I know God will give Charles wisdom, but I don't know if he'll give you wisdom. I mean, after all, you got hair in your head and you don't. (laughs) That's a joke, son. I said, that's a joke. That's a joke. And I know him and he don't care, so... Relax. He is not particular about who he gives wisdom to. He'll give wisdom to his children at any time. They'll look to him for it. Let him ask of God that giveth to all men freely or liberally and abradeth not and it shall be given him. But let him ask in faith nothing will abrade. So that's just an addendum to the message you already heard because I just felt in my spirit that all of us are going to be facing some challenges here down the road as we all do and we all will. The last thing that we want to do is fall apart. 
We want to hold on to Him and draw from His boundless might and His abundant wisdom. And we'll never be confused. So what happens then is God imparts wisdom to us many times in the midst of the test when the enemy is saying, checkmate. I don't think so. He imparts wisdom to us in that time and He shows us exactly what we should do when our back's up against the wall. Amen? Is that okay for you tonight? Say it with me. Thank God. I'm never confused. I've got the wisdom of God living on the inside of me.